What's up, guys? It's Nate. Uh, this was my latest guest appearance. Um, thank you, Monica, for inviting me on. Um, deep dives with Monica, and a couple of my friends were there too, so it was a lot of it was extra fun. And uh, Lanny from Greener Postures and Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled. Um, some of my favorite people. Um, and actually, we recorded with Lanny and Chud X not that long ago, and I think I'm putting it out next week. It was a lot of fun. It was a really good one. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one, so look forward to that. I, I don't know when I'm putting it out, but probably either Monday or Thursday. So, so this one, we talked about um, the egg shortages and some other stuff. I don't know, this, this was a fun one. You guys will hear it. You guys will know what I'm talking about. And I just realized as I'm sitting here with my wife that I'm putting this one out for uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow. So happy Valentine's Day. Um, go kiss your significant other. Uh, go do something romantical. Um, we're watching The Proposal right now. I've never seen it before. Uh, with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. It's pretty cute. Um, and we're eating popcorn in bed. Me and the wife were celebrating, actually, uh, Valentine's Day a day early. The baby is with my sister, and uh, we're just kind of hanging out. Well, I hope you guys are doing well, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. God bless. Love you guys. Is there really an egg shortage, or is it a great big psyop? I'm Monica Perez, and this is today's Deep Dive. But before I get to the meat of the matter, I'm going to just have a couple of announcements. One is I heard from my friend Gabriel from the Watchman Privacy Podcast. He was inviting me to a show he's doing. It's a two-part live stream seminar called Hack Proof, How to Beat Fraudsters, Prevent Identity Theft, and Say Goodbye to Cybercrime. It's a two-part thing. There was a live one yesterday. Part two is live on February 15th, 2023. We're talking in case you're plugging into this years in the future. Uh, so it's, I could not make it to yesterday, but I asked him to set up a promo code for Deep Dives listeners. So I thought that was a nice thing. And he set it up for 25% off, which I thought was very generous of him. So it's the course on hack proofing. If you want to find that, go to watchmanprivacy.com, scroll about halfway down the first page, and you'll see in big letters, hack proof. You can click through and use the promo code Deep Dives. But you can also, there's a dedicated URL, it's a little complicated, https colon forward slash forward slash rpf.gumroad.com slash L slash hackproof slash deep dives. I will put that crazy thing in the show notes, but the way I find it is watchandprivacy.com and then click through hackproof and use the promo code deep dives. And then a listener who had been uh, listening to my shows on the 15 minute cities on Rosa Quarry's, uh, work against agenda 21. I've been encouraging people to follow Rosa's blueprint to push back. And Rosa, who sadly died about a year ago, she said a lot of the anti agenda 21 stuff, which was catching fire kind of got onto the back burner because of the, because of Trump getting elected. So I had a listener who was inspired by my show. She sent me an email. I want to share it with you. She says, hi, 
I was inspired after listening to your latest deep dive. I know you used to live around Atlanta. We moved to Georgia last year, Henry County, and I was curious if you had any suggestions on local people to support or groups you might know of in my area. I know you used to do meetups. Maybe you know somebody who's organizing to try to follow some of Rosa's suggestions on how to fight back against Agenda 21, ICLE, which is the International Council on Local Environmental Initiatives. That's like toxic. UN Agenda 21, all of that stuff really needs to be fought at the local level. And Rosa used to have organizations that coordinated that, but they seem to be dormant since her death. So I've tried to reach out. I'm really not getting a lot of feedback there. I have gotten an email or two from listeners. I'm trying to collect resources. If there are any property owners associations or anti-Agenda 21, there used to be a thing called Kick Eclay Out. Uh, and I'm really having a hard time finding a kind of clearinghouse for this. And I feel like we've got to start something like a carpool, you know, like somebody has to have a carpool sign up. I'm happy to be that person. So if you're in Atlanta and you want to join forces with Lisa, part of Rosa's strategy is that you absolutely have to have a team. So email me at monicaperezshow at gmail.com. If I I get a lot of emails. If I miss it or whatever, tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Send me another email. I'm going to try to start connecting people. And if we can just find an organization that's already up and running on that, that and that we trust, we can start chapters. We can do something. But I really feel like we have to reignite that initiative because now is the time. And I would say it's the most important thing and the most doable thing that we can engage in to kind of push back on like this future that's coming at warp speed. So please do that, Monica Perez Show at gmail.com. And now I will tell you that this isn't just a deep dive, but it's a buddy dive. So it's like a deep buddy dive. We're talking about the egg crisis and I thought who better to talk to than the homesteaders and even actual farmers I met uh, or met up with during my white pill summer. So you might remember them. Uh, I'm going to go in order here on my screen. You can also watch this. It'll be on YouTube. Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for being here. Nate, Chef Nate, so that's a little foreshadowing. He's going to have a little more insight into the eggs from a different point of view. The realities are, hi, Nate. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. I still dream about your head tacos. <laughs> Sounds weird and gross on so many levels. It was unbelievably delicious. And an amazing last-minute entrant, Lanny from Greener Postures. So happy to see you here. Hey, Lanny, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad I can make it. I know this is the witching hour because you have little kids and I don't want to, uh, I hate to interrupt that, but the time is now. So, so I'm happy to have you guys. Okay. So what I wanted to, I, I was reading an article. I read like 20 articles on this, but the one that really annoyed me the most or the one that I think revealed an agenda the most was from Bloomberg.com, go figure, called Bird Flu Outbreak is a Wake-Up Call for Agriculture. She goes on to say a little subtitle, the H5N1 virus has been rampaging through poultry farms and a Spanish mink facility. I've already got like, if I had a little bell, I might have a bell. I think I could, I could say Adam's like- Adam's got you covered. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this 
this is for a complete BS in the headline. Um, and I feel like everything that she says in this title and everything that she says in her article is an agenda. It's a setup and, um, we can debunk it one by one, but I want to take this from the top. So I care about this because I feel like not only is this alleged, I'm not even sure if it really is a crisis, alleged food crisis, egg crisis is, it's very disruptive, it's expensive, but I also feel like it's part of a larger attack on our food supply. So for me, I would start with saying, all I've really found evidence of so far is, a, as far as like really, really big, is a huge increase in prices. I'm not 100% sure we can actually witness a huge decrease in supply. I have all the eggs I wanted. I have had, even if I went to a couple of grocery stores, I've had them all. This started for me before Christmas, right before Christmas in California. And I've got a lot to say about it, but I'm going to try not to hog the chicken talk. And I'm going to start with Nate. What do you got, Nate? Well, so what I was looking at, you were talking about the avian flu or the H5N1 or whatever it is. Uh, according to the Department of Ag, uh, in the last year, they've called they've called 44 million laying hens, uh, which I would say is definitely affecting yeah, the supply. And then it's also odd that this particular avian flu Someone might even say that it was designed to do this. It's really only affecting egg-laying hens. It's not affecting meat hens, which is really strange. Okay, I've got two things about that. One is that explains something that I was confused by because I read in the Wall Street Journal a, an earnings call by Tyson, which is a major meat and chicken manufacturer, saying that demand for chickens are down and supplies are up, so their profits are down. I was like, you got lots of chickens, you've got... Um, bird flu that's killing layers. I didn't know that it was actually distinguishing. And then I would also ask uh, that those eggs, those birds were euthanized. Do you have numbers of actual birds who got the flu? And do you believe that they actually had the flu? No idea. And I, I don't think it exists. I think this is baloney. <laughs> All right, let's see what Lanny says. No, yeah. So, like, I've not seen any numbers ever cited anywhere of birds that have been sick. It's it's birds that could be contaminated, being euthanized. Number one, number two, the laying hens thing is hens don't typically start laying till four to six months of age. They're saying this disease only affects older birds, and when birds are uh, grown for meat, they're only raised till about six to eight weeks. The the breed uh. that is manufactured, the Cornish cross for um, meat. So you're, you're, it's a baby chicken. It's like six to eight weeks, they get monstrous size and then they're, they're done. So they're saying it's not affecting meat birds because meat birds are younger and it doesn't affect younger chickens. Okay. That's interesting. So I read that there, that the laying eggs, that not a single case of avian flu was found in the laying hens in California, yet California was the first place hit by this shortage. So I have a theory about that, but I'm open to... Yeah, are those, are those hens that they've killed, those 44 million, is that being subsidized by the government so they're, they're getting paid Good question. to kill those Probably. birds instead of them actually I, being sick? Uh, so, I mean, that, that would make sense there. I mean, to get 
I w- would assume that the farmers have insurance. So if something devastating like this happens, insurance covers them. So I think there's no way that this would be allowed to happen without these farmers being com- compensated. There would be, people would be upset. But this is able to go on right now, just like uh, shutdowns in 2020 were able to go on because we were getting paid off and we were getting to stay home and be on unemployment. These farmers are definitely getting paid off in some way. And I'm wondering how, and you know, is it like a, like the, um, subsidies, like you're saying, or is this just insurance coverage, or maybe even both? Maybe they're I making think it's out better. Like the same, like what we saw through the through the the pandemic is is when they were dumping all the milk and killing pigs and doing all that. I think I think they get subsidized by the government for it. I I did wonder if there was a knock on effect of that because they say because there were there were chickens killed and I I mean it sounds like the cycle for this is too short. But a big problem that for demand on the eggs was that like a lot of what they call the breakers, the, the factories that take eggs, break them and use them for different things are have very low inventory. I was wondering about that, how much that's a knock on effect from COVID. And then what I observed at Christmas time, first of all, they I, I wouldn't be surprised if they targeted Christmas on purpose just because they're, you know, demonic. But uh, that they that this happened in California in 2018, but it happened in Colorado and some other states around here that supply California or that, you know, go into the supply. They changed the laws so you could only have free range eggs. You could only sell free range eggs, which is totally fine with me. But they had it go into effect January 1st, which is a notoriously low time for egg production because winter and that's like from coast to coast, that's true. And I would add that some of the protocols for bird flu, which I think sound kind of crazy, but some of the protocols for bird flu, certainly that were being put in place a year ago, I know it was an actual policy in England, is to bring the birds inside. And if they're inside for too long, they cannot qualify as free range. So at the same time, they have a policy that requires free range. There there are also policies, I'm not sure they overlap in time, that disqualify your chickens from being free range. And to me, if they did overlap at all, that would be enough to explain the problem. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And the free range eggs are the things that are really getting hit with the prices. Some of the articles specify free range prices. And I'm like, why does it keep saying free range prices? And I think it's there's something going on just in that subset of the market. Well, and if you want to dig down even further and you look at what what they uh, what do they need to do to the chicken to be able to call it free range? Just like cage free, as I understood it uh, years ago, if they it just meant the chicken needed to be able to stand up and make a 360. So it's like to say they're not in a cage, they just need to be able to barely move their bodies. What does free range actually mean? Does Is there a skylight or they actually have their, have their feet on the ground? Well, I think they're increasing the policy restrictions on that, the definitions of that, because what they're after, it seems very clear to me, is they want to eliminate industrial farming, which I I actually like that idea. I always buy the cage-free eggs anyway. I look for specific brands that I trust. But for them, I think they're, they're pulling out all the stops to attack industrial farming and we can get into that a little bit later. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they love us and they love chickens, but they want to, it's a, what um, Ice Age Farmer calls a controlled demolition of our protein supply. What is it? What's a dozen organic eggs cost in LA right now, Monica? 
Um, well, you're talking to a girl who doesn't look at prices, so I don't give a care, but I think it was like, I don't know. I feel like it's always fine. You know, I feel like it maybe used to be three fifty, and now it's like five bucks, but they're eggs. I mean, eggs are so wonderful. <laughs> so that's I would like, pay a dollar for an I, egg. I was listening to OBDM a couple of weeks ago and some girl called and said, organic eggs are like $18 in LA. I don't buy it. No way. I can, so, I can wait, find Well, them. we've, we've got the organic, uh, vital farms. That's the most that's the one well-known I one, right? That's uh 10 99 at our local grocery store here. And the regular eggs are up to three seventy five um, for just normal eggs. And that's uh, dollars more. Um, for the longest time, the vital farms was six 99. Then it went up to seven 99. Cause that's what I kind of compare what worse, you know, when people buy our eggs, how am I pricing mine? Well, ours are five bucks a dozen. It's cheaper than you could get in the store and they're better and they're outside all day and you can come and meet them. Uh, the stuff in the store there now is, uh, 11 bucks. I don't know if we need to raise our prices or what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's weird hearing all this stuff. Um, I go to into Portland every Sunday for church and I go to Trader Joe's after church to get groceries and organic eggs are $4.69 there. Um, I charge $7 locally for our eggs and my wife charges eight bucks for them to people who live in Portland. They um, are, they are saying that they're not available in my area, but anyway, keep talking Adam. Sorry about that. So yeah. Um, I can only speak about what I, what I know here. And I mean, um, it seems like it was this narrative that was put out to me. Um, put this narrative was put out to everybody and everybody just kind of ran with it and assumed that it was true. And I, it's not, it's not been my experience that I've seen. I mean, $4 and 69 cents for organic eggs might seem higher than normal, I guess, but it doesn't seem ludicrous. And, um, and then like locally at a, I, a, if you go to like grocery outlet by where Nate and I live, I mean, you can get like 36 eggs for $5 for the gross ones. I mean, this is saying grocery store eggs is, are gross no matter what, but <laughs> this is saying Chino Valley eggs, omega three, large organic delivered to my house. I, it says six twenty nine, and then it says a three pack. So I, I don't, I, is that, am I seriously going to be able to get a three? Even if it was one dozen, it must be one dozen. Six twenty nine does not seem bad to me. I don't know. I feel like 50 cents an egg. Like people, isn't that cheaper than a soda? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's it. It, it, they make you, it's, it's confusing because industrial farming, it makes um, you think food is cheap. And when you raise your own food, you know, it's not cheap. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of labor. And if you love doing it, it's great. But if you put it in this industrial model, which I don't want that to continue either, but they're, if they're trying to shut that down, it's not to replace it with regenerative farming. It's not to replace it with Joel Soliton. It's to replace it with that cellular agricultural monstrosity. So I, I wanted to point out that I like Whole Foods. I am, I self-regulate the kind of food I buy. I'm not saying I like Whole Foods as a company or whatever, but I like to get organic food when I can. Haven't always thought that way. It costs a lot more, but I'm, I've become like less flexible about that. I like willing to eat less to get more of that. 
But I also know what it's like to be the youngest of nine and absolutely dirt poor. And if if they make regulations that make all the food like Whole Foods, not you're not going to get prices. Everyone isn't going to have to shop at Whole Foods for the prices they have at Whole Foods. You would be eliminating 80% of the food supply, right? Because think of the ratio of, of Vons and Ralphs and Kroger's to how many Whole Foods there are. And then you would everybody would want to get that Whole Foods. Then the Whole Foods stuff is 10 times as expensive and everybody else literally is eating tofu and bugs. You beat me to it. That's exactly Sorry, what I was going to say. No, you're totally fine. Uh, when I was in culinary school, I actually wrote a paper that was like in defense of CAFOs because I grew up like half homeless, like eggs were the cheapest protein you could get. And it's everything that you need. You know, it's like you can thrive off of cheap eggs. They're, they were like a dime a piece. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that so I see this as actually like an attack on the poor and exactly what you said. It's like, do you want to have a healthy, thriving kid? Do you want some protein? Well, you're going to have to eat the bugs. You're going to have to eat the lab meat. You're going to have to eat the soy. Uh, exactly. A hundred percent. Right. And if, if the birds eat the bugs, if the chicken eats the bugs, then you get an egg out of it. So I was doing a little bit of research into this feed versus food or inefficient protein kind of thing. And like, obviously I can't put the time into it. I wouldn't say I'm not an expert. Like I could definitely become an expert if I put the time into this one topic, but just from some pretty credible looking stuff that I was reading, some counter narrative stuff from reputable sources in the industry and I've, I've just observed this with my own common sense that I always thought this about milk and eggs. They take, cows and chickens take garbage, take stuff that you cannot eat that grows basically without cultivation if you just let them run around on land that you, and this is in some of that documentation, on land that you couldn't use for other stuff. And it makes fully formed animal protein of a variety. I mean, egg yolks are amazing. Uh, milk without having to even kill the animal, which is just spectacular in my opinion. And it and when I was reading about that, even beef that uh, boofs whatever like cows that eat the grass that it's such bad, it's such fringy land that they can use that it's something like 0.6 the amount of land needed to create a, a pound of animal protein than if you had to grow soybeans and eat it and make that quality protein with your body. So there are details on that, but I feel like it just stands to reason that this is, and it's autonomous, it's decentralized, a chicken, I could have a chicken, but I'm guessing that around here, even if I'm allowed to have a chicken, after this bird flu thing, neighbors are not going to allow it anymore. So some of it could just be hype for that. For sure. Yeah. And it's true that grass is not very nutritious to us. We can't eat it or digest it, but the animals that can provide us with not only protein, but the nutrients that go on along with that and the fat that's in those animals that are treated the way they're supposed to be treated and they eat their natural diet, those fat soluble vitamins that you can't get elsewhere. And people tell you to take your vitamin D supplement or get some sunshine. But if you have an animal that's eating grass, that's been in the sun or have they have themselves, like in the case of pork has been in the sun, then you're getting those vitamins A, D, and K that are really, really important. And then choline, choline's in eggs and an egg yolk. And you need that to grow babies and to, um, you know, have a functioning brain. And so it's a, yeah, if you can't get anything else, eggs and some 
some raw dairy, then you kind of don't need to even eat meat. And we could be going in that direction, but we're not. We're going towards bugs. If you look at the evolutionary record on other research I've been doing is that when they started, when human beings began to hunt collectively, they could take down larger game and meat consumption went through the roof and like human height also went through the roof. And then after the agricultural revolution, when you had monocropping, when you had all that malnutrition, disease, all that stuff went through the roof. And when you read things, it was my only complaint against the book Against the Grain, which I really enjoyed about how um, like grain that harvested all at once was really just a, ta- a sla- you know, tax slave device by you know monument building civic, uh, governments. But what what he was saying is like, oh, well, people got really sick that during that time because of the pandemics. There were pandemics like crazy. But if you take a step back and say, well, the reason there were pandemics is this went along with a whole bunch of other things, bad teeth and everything else. So it wasn't that the pandemics, coincidentally, it was that the that the nutrition just plummeted or it seems like there were too many correlated things at that, that. So you can look at the historical record. And then even in the past hundred years, when people got started eating more meat like 100 years ago that again they saw tremendous health benefits in like in the south and you know some of those diseases pov- diseases of poverty went away when the the poverty level rose the the bar you know that people was were skying it would yeah. be it would be hard to mention to, to have this conversation without mentioning do, uh, Dr. Weston A Price and his work because that's a lot of what you're talking about yeah, he was a dentist he, right He was a dentist, and so it started from just noticing how bad people's not only cavities were, but their dental arch was more narrow. It started to be that we couldn't fit our wisdom teeth in our mouth anymore, and that wasn't the case of indigenous people and tribes eating their natural diets. And so, Monica, in your opener, you talked about um, people wanting to find community to fight against the New World Order. Well, uh, Weston A. Price Foundation is really good at bringing people together. They have different local chapters that you can find, and those local chapters will help you find farm farmers in your area to be able to connect you with real food sources. So those that's a good way to pe- um, meeting like-minded people that want to eat real food. Well, two things. I have a question. Is that Folkways? Was that the book that I read by, wasn't there Susan something wrote the book about raw milk and Feel like uh, I don't rem- I remember Folkways. There's uh, Sally Fallon Morell who yes. wrote uh, Nourishing Traditions, but I haven't haven't read Nourishing Traditions. Folkways. I think that's yes. It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So also, and she's yeah, she's the head of the West Nate Price Foundation. The reason I feel like that is a not a bad thread to pull on for people who are concerned about Agenda 21 is and whether it's transportation or whatever it is that's uh, coming down at this time, 15 minute cities is that ultimately that's all about land use. They want people off the land. They want to concentrate people in the cities and, and especially homesteaders, farmers, the, the most likely group are property owners associations. So I feel like there's a natural connection there and we should like separately, maybe we can actually, you know, maybe I can start putting together some resources if you'll help me offline sometime. So uh, that's yeah. a great start. Weston A. Price Foundation. Okay. So... So let's say, do we do we think as a group here, do we think that there's a genuine shortage of eggs right now? Do you think it's just prices? Like, what do you think is really going on? 
I'm I not mean, convinced there's a shortage. Although we we have had days where there was nothing in the store, and I had people calling me to see if they could get eggs. But I'm still not convinced. I mean, they could just be hiding them. They could be dumping them. I, I don't actually hoarding know. because of a panic. And mm-hmm. are your eggs laying, Lanny? As much as they are again, but uh, early in winter they started molting and they took a break for about six weeks, and then they're laying again because my my hens are about three years old. Um, I don't know if people know, but when when you have chickens, the first year they'll lay through the winter usually, and then after that second, third, fourth year they they take a break in the winter time. The way to um, circumvent that is to put a light on them so that they have more daylight hours, but we choose not to do that and kind of you wear your hens out that way. They only have a certain amount of eggs in them for their lifetime. Um, so we have eggs from the... F- Sorry. Yeah, so if these avian flu precautions require hens to go indoors, that might just reduce egg laying. I could, mm. but they could all, they're using artificial lights yeah. in those operations anyway to control how many hours of daylight they have. Yeah. So our first year hens were laying through the winter. So that was enough eggs for our family, but our older hens are now laying again and I'm selling eggs. Okay. Nate, what are you thinking? Oh, I, I was just thinking something similar to that. I don't think that there is an egg shortage at all. I think that this is all just kind of, well, it was kind of how like no one could get toilet paper for a minute because every moron went and bought like, Yes. of toilet paper and things like that. Creating a panic um, causes hoarding. And what yeah. the best thing for that is to increase prices. So the fact that the prices are up is probably why I, I haven't had a problem actually getting eggs at all. But you're a chef, Nate. So how has your procurement been? I have not had one issue at all getting eggs, but the price has gone up significantly. It's gone up probably about 60%. And uh, from an article that actually, I was reading- that's right, yeah. Yeah, said it was about 66%. And uh, I mean, someone was, I mean, so the article that I was reading was talking about how Bill Gates had literally adjusted, invested in artificial eggs right before this. <laughs> and um, Perfect. I'll put on my tinfoil hat, you know. <laughs> so Adam, how about your your chickens? Now you're newer at this. So Lanny is bringing back online a family farm that's been in the family for like uh, 80 or 100 years, if I recall correctly, right? And then Adam, you're yeah, new, right? We had a big break too. I think Adam and I might have had chickens for about the same amount of time. Okay. Did you start, because you started when you were still in Portland, right, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, and I've had chickens for doing? five years, something like that. And are they laying right now? Like, have you noticed an interruption like Lanny or do you put light on them or how do you do it? Um. Well, as Lanny said, uh, I've got first year chickens i got i had a bunch of um of our original flock that was worn out so i got rid of them uh during the summer and i've got a bunch of new ones um and i'm getting 10 a day out of 15 hens and like two i I think we kept two of the original hens they're done so they just get to hang out and be pets so out of 13 laying hens i'm getting 10 a day but like lanny said their first years and uh, I think I found like the best, the best breed for laying. Everybody always says like Rhode Island Reds or something. I I found these ones called uh, Novagen Browns, and uh, I'll I'll probably never have anything else but those. So no, so, um, and I I don't feed my. Uh, I think there's a real issue with uh, the Purina Lina feed. You do at that you get at Tractor Supply. Yeah, it's garbage. Um, when um, I have a dog who's got kidney disease, so I have to feed him and three eggs a day. And, um, 
when my uh, original flock was slowed down, I went to some lady's house down the road who has like a spray painted sciences eggs, $3 a dozen. And I'd pulled up, you know, and she lives in a house and is a person who looks like she's from the area that I'm living in. So uh, you can tell she did not feed her, her, her chickens good, good stuff. And the eggs were disgusting. Absolutely no gross. And it's because people just go to Tractor Supply or Wilco or, 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 I mean, they have it at Walmart. I guarantee it's all the same feed with just, just rebranded. And, uh, it's a hundred percent the same. It's feed, just man. shit. It's horrible. And don't, I mean, it, it's, it's across the board. If you feed your dogs Purina dog food, they're unhealthy, you know? So, um, but yeah. do you think that changed? Cause some articles say that that feed Tractor Supply, Purina, whatever, uh, changed and they actually changed the formula to reduce the protein and that that is what's causing the reduced laying. But it seems like that could just be a coincidence with the season as well. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people right. are saying they get them off that and they start laying again. Um, I think what we're seeing a lot with that too is a ton of people uh, during the pandemic got chickens for the first time. So maybe aren't used to their chickens slowing down for the, for the winter as well. Um, I think there's a ton of stuff. But I mean, if you treat your chickens like garbage and feed them, feed them, I mean, you can feed them the good garbage, but don't feed them I, Purina. That stuff's so gross and you so bad. You can feed them, them actual garbage yeah. is probably better. I'd rather yeah. feed my, <laughs> I'd rather feed my, my chickens, you know, uh, rotten meat and, and coffee grounds than, than Purina laying a feed. So I feed them um, a fancy organic feed that I ferment. And uh, wow. So, yeah. So those must taste great. Yeah, I've got the best the best eggs around. Um, wow. I'll stand by that. That's a bummer because the the good feed, the better feed that's actually like whole grains, you can tell what it is and what's in it, is uh, versus the pellets that you can get or the crumbles that you can get that are, if, the, if it's not Purina, it's similar stuff in different bags and different brands. It's the price is like, it's like triple or quadruple the price. So if you're poor and you're trying to have chickens, should you not have chickens and buy eggs from the store or should you get the Purina feed? Cause that's pretty much your options. So we're low on cash and we don't buy the best feed, but we supplement with chicken scraps and I sprout wheatgrass for them in the winter, but also they're outside at least 12 hours a day and they have 20 acres to roam. So they're foraging most of their food and we only feed them probably four hours uh, out of the 24 hour period is their food actually out for them. And it's even less, 12 hours a day. And for the most of the day, they're out of their coop. So it's, you think about the way chickens are raised here in these situations where you can watch them actually outside the window that's above me here in my <laughs> basement, foraging for stuff, eating bugs, <laughs> eating slugs and other things, or, um, you know, they're, they're, um, if they're just cooped up in a, in a coop all day or in a big giant warehouse type facility with lights on, then it's, it's like a totally different, then the, all the nutrition they get comes from that feed. Right. And they, and I have heard, I, I read, I saw a brief documentary about this, about how in previous avian flu outbreaks, the symptoms are often 
could easily be attributed to the fact that they're getting literally burned by the lights sometimes. They aspirate feces, they're too close, they have open wounds, that they can attribute that to some kind of sickness and then call the flock. And I, I to Adam's point, if there are government subsidies for culling the flock because of bird flu, but not, and you have overcrowding because of demand issues, which there some reports said like there's lower demand, some say there's higher demand. But if you I attribute it to avian flu, just like COVID in a hospital, you probably get more uh, and you get kind of paid to call them instead. So there could yeah. be some some of that. And then they also are using PCR tests, which the inventor of the PCR test, Carrie Mullis, said you can find anything with a PCR test if you use a high enough cycle rate. So we're not hearing anything about the PCR. And of course, as uh, I mean, it's almost it's almost comical in in 2020, they finally found a vaccine that they want to use for avian flu. You think shooting up 7 billion people is good for the vaccine industry. Could you imagine vaccinating every damn chicken? People eat like 400 chickens a year. And if those chickens are like a month old, think of all, think of just, uh, I mean, for all the billions of chickens that are in the world and that's cycling through every every month, how many vaccines you would sell. I mean, to to gin up a panic like that would be incredibly lucrative, I would think. Well, they're already vaccinating those birds against certain things. Um, when you order chicks from a big hatchery, if laying hens, that you get to choose if you want to add on, like from like two, three or four different vaccines or not. Um, I have never actually spoken to anyone ever who has actually had a bird be sick from this avian flu. And I've never heard anybody who also knew somebody, but I have heard of people having their flocks called, but I think those were people who were worried and called authorities to help them through things and then testing got involved and, and then there it goes. And one thing I've noticed about the wild animals, wild birds that they euthanize, they, they euthanized a couple of grizzlies. They're, they're talking about minks. I didn't look into that. But both of the grizzlies and the eagles that I, I, I was reading, they they exhibited neurological symptoms. And I'm thinking neurological symptoms when you read how, you know, some how-to on how to determine if my chicken has flu, it's not neurological symptoms are never, ever noted. But they look at them falling over, acting confused, and what happens in basically every case, and there's only been a few dozen of the eagles at the most, is that they are notorious uh, victims of lead poisoning. Because at a certain time of year, the hunters, you know, they hunt and then they leave gut piles. And the gut piles a lot of times have bullets in them. And that's where the carrion birds go. And even some grizzlies do that. So grizzlies, uh, although they can't find the actual bullets, they do find lead poisoning in grizzlies. So it was also the grizzlies. So I feel like it, if you have the PCR test that you can find anything and you're picking, you could pick them randomly and still attribute it to that. So, so even the, the things that I have seen who are reported as actually sick aren't sick with actual flu symptoms. Nate, same? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to say, because we were talking about vaccinating all the animals, I was just going to pull up a quote that uh, this is from Bill Gates as well. It says, vaccine in our food supply solves the problem of vaccine hesitancy. That's uh wow. <laughs> well, does like good God? Doesn't don't a bunch of vaccines have egg eggs in them? That's something yeah. I wanted to bring up actually, Adam. They use the egg white as a carrier for to like grow the vaccine in that then they inject because my son had uh, allergies when he was a kid and he was allergic to eggs, so 
there were certain vaccines, they would say, oh, he could be excused with no big deal because there was eggs in it. But I wondered, there was a study I saw the headline of that was saying that there was something about the eggs helping with spike yeah, proteins or something these, uh, in 2021. Yes, got these egg, yeah, I brought it up with Deborah on her show last night. Um, these egg yolks inhibit like the spike proteins from being able to bind to yeah, your receptors or something. It's that's what it's, it's the antibodies and the egg yolks. It's binding uh, of the multiple SARS-CoV-2 spike protein variants. Um, so if, if eggs are the cure for um, uh, the problem and they don't want us to have them, that could be why they were creating a shortage. I mean, that's a real, you know, tinfoil hat. But and if you also think like if eggs are this symbol of like reproduction too, and they don't want us to breed, mm-hmm. I mean, just think of it like that. Does, um, I don't know. You can get really deep. Does StreamYard let you do screen share? I've got the article from last night. Um, It's it's on PubMed. Gee, I, you are, it's all you're good. pushing me on limits. And plus it's so, it's Down very audio centric. Yeah. So yeah. almost no one will see anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a PubMed article. You won't be, you can't find it on. Adam needs to hit it. That's all good. I'll, I'll just explain it. Okay. Um, if you look it up on Google, you're not, you're going to find that it's been debunked. And if you go to like FreeSpoke or another search engine that works, you can go to, you can just look it up and it comes up and it's like, um, all the authors are Chinese, but it's on, it's on PubMed. It's like a real medical study. Yeah. It's the, the format that it was in was like medical studies I've read before. And I found that really interesting. It's because real food helps your body be healthy. I don't even know if spike protein is a real thing. I've never seen it, but uh, I don't, it was, it was just another, and is that just more uh, fodder for uh you know, like the crazy people to, to go after just like the conspiracy about the feed being changed because it's like, everyone started to look at their flock. Oh, are they laying the same? And, and it, it, do you get it in your head? Do you actually, did yeah. you write down how many eggs you were getting last year for how many hens, you know, like it's been a pretty normal year for us and we haven't changed feeding less than ideal feed and, and letting them out. It's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of moving parts. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about any possible agenda they might have. So uh, there's food shortage mania. There's um, my idea that they hate us and want us to go away, or they want to absorb any surplus that we may have that we could become either politically challenging to them or simply want to literally absorb our surplus. So you lower the standard of living, you raise the price of things. Another thought I had was that they are clearly in the business of creating as many medical patients as they possibly can because they sell medicine. So uh, making us less healthy seems to be, I wouldn't have said this a couple of years ago, but that seems to be an actual goal. I mean, I just, I can hear in my mind, like I can hear the board meeting where they sit around saying, we just need more sick people. <laughs> you know? Like that's the problem. So Nate, do you have a, a you feel similar? Yeah, I actually I I went down the deep dive of the crazies that were talking about the you know the pro or the protein and the and the feed and things um, and there might be something to it. So um, this one lady had done a deep dive, and so I guess Purina had split into two, and half of it went to Nestle. So Nestle is uh, doing like that like the pet food, I guess. So that's more like your cats and dogs. And Lando Lakes took over like the grain. And so that's where like all the chicken food is coming from Lando Lakes. And they are connected with Mork LLC, who's doing uh, a shit ton of um, the grain and the eggs 
And so I, it's all coming from the same place. So the tractor supply um, is coming from Purina. Purina is supplying all of those different companies. So it's like all coming out of one spot. So there could be something to that. So then uh, Mork LLC is the big egg producer, I guess. Nanu, nanu. And yes. What's that? <laughs> Mork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they are, they just went online and built some of like their biggest egg facilities. And so it's almost like they wanted people at home they wanted their hens to stop laying. And so it's like in the store, according to this lady, this is her thoughts. And, and there might be something to it that like, so Mork is doing this on purpose, like, cause they are partners with Purina or the Lando Lakes, the subsidiary. Uh, and so it's like trying to get the chickens at, at your house to stop laying so that you have to buy from them, their partner Mork. I don't know. That's, I don't know if I there's mean, enough makes, enough people eating their own eggs to even make a dent in the market, though. You're probably right about that. Right. Well, I, there I, has I, been I heard that story too, though. and I, I also thought it was just kind of like to distract us uh, and, and make us seem crazy. Uh, but yeah, who knows? They could. I mean, they could. There. It says 16% protein on the front of the bag. That's how you buy chicken feed. It's by the percent of protein. If you buy, if you're buying for young chicks, they need a higher percentage of protein when they start laying. You drop that percentage of protein. If you're if you're doing meat birds, you want a higher percentage of protein, like 20%. Laying hens get 16% protein. So if you're mixing your own feed, you need to do a lot of math and figure out what you need to put in there to have the average of their serving size being 16% protein. And um, the bag of stuff that you get from the store it says that it says it's probably is it tested by somebody i don't know uh, it's it's who who is to say if they can't just bump up their corn a little bit and drop the soybeans down so they can keep the cost down and then that drops the protein and you know maybe you would see a less eggs being laid out yeah, that that would be out and out fraud that could be provable so i tend to wonder if people are taking those kind of chances. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I feel like you can actually discover that. I feel like they're a little smarter than that. That does remind oh. me though, that some of the articles talked about how uh, peas and soybeans that they were getting from Ukraine or wheat from Russia or fertilizer from Russia was impacting the price of feed, which was going into the price of the eggs. That's so Putin's I price could, hike. You know, yeah, it's Putin's fault. But I mean, again, I would I wanted to see the math on that, you know, and I looked like how, how, how much peas and soybeans go into the feed. I couldn't find any peas in any feed that I looked at and how much of our peas come from Ukraine and aren't commodities fungible. And don't we just, you know, let's just get the peas and soybeans from somewhere else, unless no one in the whole world is letting them into their markets. It's if they're literally rotting on the docks, like they were briefly, but I don't think they are anymore. So I feel like they're making stuff up about, about the feed, but, um, uh, you know, the prices do seem to be up. Could be general inflation. I don't know. I can keep going. There's, you know, there's, did you, you remember there was a big train derailment in like near Vancouver, BC, maybe out, outside of Langley, like not, maybe not last year, but the year before, but 2021. And it, uh, it was supposed to affect all of the stuff that was coming into the port to be shipped out. And it was affecting mostly grain that was, it was harvest time there in BC and it was supposed to be affecting all the stuff coming out. So you hear, you hear about that stuff and you kind of have to guess what's going to happen, but then you never hear about the outcome of that. You know, was that food dumped? Did it go to rot? Like you said, waiting, um, and all of these different things that have happened all over the country, you know, fires and, and plane crashes and all of the other weird things. Um, it's, it's affecting it down the line. It's like food doesn't just 
preserving is my thing, right? Food preservation. And I'm really aware that what, what I'm eating today didn't happen today. I didn't grow it from scratch. And today it's, it's like, it's a whole process. So when there's a little snafu in the chain here, it, it doesn't actually affect us until sometime later. And for us, you know, layman's are just not in the industry that is, you know, we're talking about that. It's, it's hard to see where did that come from? Where did that start? It's interesting. It's interesting fires? to see. Yeah, got Adam. Um, sorry, Monica. Um, no, you go. Yeah, the whole wheat thing's interesting. Um, I've never done good with it, um, personally, like with my digestion and body. But it's always something I could kind of handle. I could eat pizza every once in a while and feel like kind of crappy, but not be too affected by it. Um, within I don't know if it's me being forty three years old now, but within the last two to three months, it's I'm full on gluten intolerant. So there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm experimenting right now upstairs. I have about a gallon of uh, wheat berries that I've I'm sprouting, and then I'm going to dehydrate them and then ground them into flour. So I could do sprouted grain flour at home because uh, I got a grain mill. And then I'm also doing um, all these different kinds of ancient grains for sourdough bread that people want to get from me. So I've got spelt and, and, uh, einkorn and, and there's like a lot of different kinds of grains that aren't just the typical hard red wheat, which is normally what people are using to make bread. Um, and you have to wonder, is it the grain that it, people are intolerant to, or is it the way that it's treated or grown or that specific strain? You know what I mean? Like it's gra uh, grain is interesting because if you don't buy organic, you're getting glyphosate and they use glyphosate as a desiccant on grain, on wheat, which means that they spray it at the end of its cycle, right before they harvest it to dry it out. It ah. actually dries it out. And that's part of grain storage is very important to have it be dry. And so they actually, that's, you're getting like a lacquer layer of that ah. pesticide on your food right before it goes to be made into your hamburger buns for McDonald's and, and everything else. Not only that, if you're buying not organic, you're also getting it in Enriched because everything that has flour in it is enriched. Um, most of the things that are organic are not, but they can add it separately. And enriched means they're adding what metal shavings. There's like iron and all these other synthetic vitamins that I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of obsessing over that lately. Every package I'm reading, I'm like, how is it riboflavin and all the other other words that we just kind of can gloss over because they're in everything. But it's 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 worth questioning. It's really hard to find a uh, white rice that's not enriched. Yeah. Weird. I do have that. I, I have, I'm sure it's celiac. I haven't. As Nate's wife, which was very, she was so right because like I can't be diagnosed because I don't eat gluten anymore. So you can't diagnose me with celiac. But she's like, you can't diagnose you with celiac because some doctor won't write it down on a piece of paper for you. Come on, <laughs> like wake up. So I obviously have celiac, but it's too far gone for me. I've tried all organic, natural, whatever yeah. other countries, yada, yada. I'm way too far gone. I, that gluten, the tiniest, if I make fried chicken for my kids, just breathing it, I get super sick. However, the one thing that will um, help me tolerate that level of ingestion is probiotic stuff, fermented things. Yeah. If I if I have a healthy biome, I don't get like violently ill just cooking. <laughs> you know, That's because those microbes are your your immune system. And there, there's all these great studies out of Australia on food allergies and using um, small amounts of the allergen, exposing people to those at the same time as providing them some kind of probiotic supplement. And the people who had the probiotic 
probiotic could tolerate that small amount and at least not be anaphylactic anymore. Maybe yeah. you're not eating that for dinner every night, but at least you're not going to get super, super sick if you yeah. do have, come into contact with it. That's been my observation ever since I started making the sauerkraut that you taught me how to make. And um, I mean, it just freaks people out how much of that I eat. But <laughs> but, be, but I but I wanted to ask Nate before we moved on. You had mentioned fires in food processing plants or natural food processing plants. I haven't been following that. What was your observation on that? What what well, is it? Just tell me what's going on. <laughs> I mean, that was really big last year. I mean, there was like literal planes that were like crashing into like a potato plant in Idaho, and I was like, "Well, that's too on the nose," you know. Uh, <laughs> It just reminded me of nine. Oh, there's a fire but, at the baby formula factory yeah. just when they just when they opened their just doors. Just when they were up reopening, again. yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Just when women they didn't <laughs> just when they wanted women to go back for the first time ever to breastfeeding so for a little vax transmission, one listener mm -hmm. suggested. Oh, 100%. Man. yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Past the yeah, spike proteins. Yeah. Yucky. Uh, so I mean it's it just there was a ton of it that was happening. And so that that one killed 400,000 lane hens. And it just like, I guess the workers, they described that it like came out of nowhere and only affected those areas where the hens were. I don't know if like a light went out, if it was an electrical fire, but I guess they had people on it and stopped it right away, but not in time to. Is this the very re recent fire, mm -hmm. like a week or two ago? Yeah. yeah. And it's been ongoing. I know you mentioned ice age farmer. He had been keeping a big long list of all these different, uh, catastrophic events at these food plants but has anybody heard what what's ever he's, happened to he's Ice been Age radio Farmer? silent for four months now since no november i think or even before yeah i that. think so yeah and i'm and, a and people are his. worried about him because i mean he's he's doing work that's i mean that seems dangerous to be he's drawing a lot of similarities between things that are not supposed to be related you know freak yeah. accident kind of stuff and when you look at the the list that he had compiled of all of the fires that have been at all these things it's it's scary i've got yeah, a list right yeah. here actually um and his it, telegram it channel his. has not been helpful there is yeah. somebody administering no. it but not not there's whoever's whoever's uh, the admin there who, yeah we're a patron too you and, and those that. are my only two patrons you I, i'm a patron only of you and of uh, Ice Age Farmer. Oh, Greener Postures and Ice Age yes. Farmer. Wow, I feel very uh, <laughs> yes, honored. That's good. Thank you so much. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I, think I know he's I, not there. Didn't he make yeah, a bunch I, of I, predictions that were totally not right, though, too? I'm not sure about his predictions as much as just like, uh, that's more of what I was following is him just kind of drawing these similarities between these different events that had happened. Yeah. And he has the idea of the solar minimum, which mm -hmm. definitely is not intuitive to me. So I don't know. No, and I mean, it's that. interesting, but I, I don't know if I agree with him. Right. But I do know that he was right. And the same as Alison McDowell about this, um, putting like every last damn tomato on the blockchain and Stuff like that. So, so maybe, I mean, maybe, are you suggesting, Adam, that's possible there's something up with that guy or? No, I don't, I don't know enough about him. Yeah, I just, nothing, I right? Thought, yeah, I thought that he I made really a bunch of. I don't have an opinion on um, if he's, uh, you know, up to something or right or wrong, but he has been out, uh, he's been radio silent definitely for at least four months. And it seems like the admins are being gatekeepers to protect something. I don't know if he's like, if they're, uh, if he's they a targeted individual and yeah. Yeah, somebody chasing him. Yeah. 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 So, go ahead, Nate. You had something to say, and then I have a couple other things. 
Oh, I was just going to go down a list. <laughs> I don't have no, to. No, just, there's no. just Only if there's an egg list. thing. It was insane. It was all eggs. It was all these uh, oh, bombs wow. that burned. And wow. how, many eight, how many chickens died. It was crazy. So it is my opinion that this egg thing, this crisis is not, so to speak, organic at all. Like they, the powers that be, and I can name names. People don't like to say they. I mean, World Economic Forum, they're affiliated globalist corporations. You can find it at Bloomberg.com, which is highly affiliated with the, with the World Economic Forum. That article that I read, the sentence of, <laughs> as we were coming out of the gate, was... This um, one of the quotes from there, and this just really irritated me because they've been trying to get rid of minks for the longest time. I mean, minks, if you had a fur coat made of mink, you would be so you wouldn't even need heat. <laughs> like if you had a, a coat like that and I mean, if you preserved it properly so it didn't fall off. I mean, I have a vintage mink thingy that just it's fantastic and I'm, I'm sure it's 50 years old. They last forever, and they and the minks are there, so they will slaughter them, I believe, and not allow you to use them as if you could get bird flu from a mink coat. Like, it's just, it's insanity to me. But her <laughs> quote in this was, I guess we just can't have mink coats and cheap eggs. And I'm going to ask Nate if he uh, if he thinks those two things belong in the same sentence. I guess we just can't have <laughs> mink coats and cheap eggs. All right. Don't you yeah, just want to smother hilarious. her to death with a pillow? <laughs> I mean, just, we need really cheap eggs. You just want hamburgers and haircuts. That's what yeah. kind of sounds like. Yeah. Oh. I, yes, I, cheap eggs will make the difference between, it could be a life or death on the margin, like marginal things like that. There are pe people who are on the margin. Those are life and death things. And yes, maybe there is somebody who uh, could could find a mink coat in a gutter and save his life from frostbite. But this chick's mink coat, which she is going to take the magnanimous step of not having a mink coat, is very different from how much she cares about cheap eggs, which is absolutely zero. And how much somebody who lives on them cares about them. So that's how they're thinking. They want us to feel like crap. That goes right to Rose Aquarius thing where they make you feel like individualism and your needs and wants, your preferences, your the just rewards for your labor, the choices that you make are selfish and, and harm the, quote, global community. She calls it communitarianism. And this really smacks of that, which is why I feel like it definitely plugs into an agenda that, I mean, the World Economic Forum says on their website has pages, the future of food, the future of labor, future of the shaping. It's actually called shaping the future of the arrogance of that is unbearable to me. And there is no doubt in my mind that this is part of something they want to shape. And they've talked about it before. They talk about the food crisis. They talk about how um, one of the articles they had actually was about promoting the circular solution. That's a quote of the upcycled feed. So they want to take, they're highlighting a farm that takes total garbage Feeds it, which may be good, maybe bad. I don't know. Feeds it to the chickens, and it's and I feel like that's how you got mad cow, right? Like to take absolute, you know, garbage, if that's even a true story. I think um, mad cows from yeah. cannibalism. Feeding cows, cows. Yeah. Right, but I think they are feeding chickens, chickens in this or something. I don't know. They they showed that they were feeding them like misshapen Chick bread. But. Chickens will eat themselves. They're dead 
and they don't seem to mind. So I don't, I don't know if it's yeah. the biggest deal for a chicken. I don't know, but they have this thing that they want circular economies and they, mm-hmm. they make it seem like you need to do all this extra stuff to recycle. But I also believe that there is, you know, contra evidence that would say that that is not an efficient way to do any, to do most of these things that an, an upcycling feed or whatever is not, uh, is not the best way to do it. I don't really know why they're going down that path. My guess is it's to reduce consumption. And I think the last thing I will say and come up for air is that a lot of this stuff is going into some bigger agenda, definitely reducing production, increasing costs, in my opinion, um, but also increasing control. And a major part of this, I think, like many, many health initiatives, is surveillance, data, plugging the farmer into, you know, he has to have an app, he has to report about his, you know, and all that kind of stuff goes into what Isaiah Farmer would say is putting blocked every single solitary chicken and egg on the blockchain and being aware, data, 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 control, control, surveillance, surveillance. Yep. Keeping us afraid, keeping us controlled. And the way to keep us controlled is to control our food. That's a great way to do it. And to make people yeah. think that they can't take care of themselves. So make us, you know, propaganda to make us afraid of our food. Things can make us sick, things that we can't understand or see. You can't can something because you're going to get botulism. Fermented fruit is gross. Like all the stuff that I talk about all the time. It's it's part of this agenda to just keep us scared and keep us controlled. And, and if they have control of the food system, and if they make it something that we could not do on our own. We can't, uh, you know, I don't think I could grow enough crickets to, to support my family, but I can grow chicken eggs. I can grow chicken for meat. I can grow vegetables and preserve them in cans or by fermenting them. And, and so you take the, the nature out of it and you put it in a warehouse with grow lights and you realize you can't do that. You can't have the, the little old man farmer anymore on his homestead. It has, it's all industrial. So, uh, to that, they are weaponizing what you're saying. And what they're saying is, yes, we agree industrial farming is bad. It costs taxpayers money because we have to subsidize. Oh, yeah, it did say it cost them like a billion dollars or something to kill all those chickens, taxpayers. So it must be what you guys are saying about um, facilitating that, that the pricing um, is going up way bigger than the amount of reduction in production so that they're colluding on pricing. They're really bad. It's they're capitalist pigs. Um, it's unsanitary. It creates risk. All the things that industrial farming, which has been, and it says it's subsidized by the agricultural bills. So they create this, they meaning the government and people who promote regulation, and that would include the World Economic Forum, um, big government people in general. So they created this problem of promoting, subsidizing this industrialization, this consolidation, and now they're saying that has to stop. But it won't restore that ecosystem that you personally, you people are all trying to restore. Nate, you take it, and then I've got one more thing, and I know Adam has to go. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I was just looking exactly what you said there when you said that they are trying to, they're using our words like we, you know, theoretically are against CAFOs and big factory farming because it is bad for the environment and it is bad for us to eat this kind of garbage food. But like, so it's sort of the way that they have 
done with the roads, right? With us driving, they, they gave us, they forced us on fossil fuels. They made us use this instead of things like maybe cars that could have driven on water and, you know, or any other kind of, yeah, exactly. Ethanol wanted alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Something like that. But they forced us on big oil. And now that now they're slapping us on the hand for using it. And really what they want us to do is just stop driving. So they're trying to like force us on to electric. And so I see like the same correlation. They're like going to slap our hand with this with this CAFO, these cheap eggs and things like that. When they forced us almost on these cheap eggs because they stopped us from, well, they didn't really stop us, but they, they did. They made it like so much easier to eat these cheap eggs that they got us hooked on. And that's where we've gotten our protein. And now they're pulling the rug out from under us in the name of environmental justice and the name of like, you know, medical things like that. And yeah, it's out, it's totally outrageous. It's, I've, I've noticed a pattern of where they, um, subsidize something, create a dependency, and then take the funding away and then give you the solution. Maybe they were always after, or maybe just the mm-hmm. next level, what they're ready for right now. But to your point about the, I think the cars, they, the things that I feel like I totally get gun rights. I understand them completely. I'm a huge advocate of gun rights, but I would say our right to things that God gave us directly, like gold, eggs, oil, Weed. I don't think anybody here is a big weed user, but I mean, it's just one of God's gifts to man directly. It doesn't take a lot of processing. And those are the things that are quite egalitarian. They're quite decentralized that we could actually access them. They're kind of everywhere. They're not even scarce. I mean, gold is scarce, but only to the it's still enough to be used for that, that facilitator of trade. And um, so they are they don't like those things. And all of those things have been in the crosshairs. So they take industrial farming as we knew it and they say it's bad, but then they just switch us to some other industrial farming where we're growing some kind of cellular (laughs) agriculture, soybeans, you know, uh, rooms with like towers of vegetables growing inside instead of in the soil. And you know what we miss from that is all of the regenerative aspects of what growing and raising animals on the land do is that provides the land with nutrients. And then we have the minerals in our soil and the minerals in our food that we need. And and so instead of getting back to what nature provides us and, and the natural cycles of those things and what God intended, we move farther away from it and to the other side of industrial farming to this cellular agriculture. And it's terrifying. And I I hate, I hate to run, but I have to go pick up my order for Azure standard. I've got a truck waiting with a bunch of organic food that I didn't buy at the store. Adam (laughs) has to go as well. And I would just say that uh, another thing that you taught me about was that diverse genome from actually growing things on your specific land. It's dynamic. It could change from year to year. Goes with the weather. Thank you. Um, Nate, can you, you're, Nate's going to stay with me for just a couple more minutes. I'm going to say goodbye to Lanny of Greener, um, at Greener Postures, but your uh, podcast is The World As It Is Today, I think. Is that the one? Yeah, that's me and Chud's podcast. And then the Greener Postures podcast is my project. Um, this month, I'm talking all about canning, and I've got a workshop at the end of the month. So hopefully, I'll see you there, Monica. Okay, and send me the information, and I'll promote it to my people. And then, Adam, you actually have a podcast with Chud also, and also on your own so tell people about that and then I'll let you guys go and i'll wrap it up with nate um yeah you can uh follow me at deborah gets red pilled um everywhere um we s- just started a patreon so if you want some extra content that's uh pretty fun we just had bart sabrell on and uh, we got a good show coming up this weekend too 
um, go to patreon.com slash Deborah gets red pilled. And uh, yeah, resist the new world order. <laughs> Peace out. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Cheers, Thanks, brother. Adam. Bye. So, Nate, the one thing that we didn't get to that I wanted to talk about is this. I just did a show with Dr. Cottrell about the gain-of-function research mm. in a few different areas. And one of the things he said was it was the crossing the avian flu with the Spanish flu so that it was more, more transmissible to humans. Now, avian flu, when contracted by a human being, apparently has a 50% fatality rate. This is what I'm told, you know, this is what you read in the literature, but there's only, there hasn't even been a thousand cases of that documented of, of human beings getting it. Now, so the idea is that there actually were a pandemic where we were contracting avian flu, it would pretty much have to be a man-made thing. And I did a little research into it and it was Fauci funded, but it was justified, I think in the eighties, I think it was that Bush, it was one of the Bushes who said there was some kind of avian flu scare and that justified, uh, they said, doing gain-of-function research. And I absolutely hate that. I think it is uh, unbelievably unethical to do gain-of-function research, meaning increasing transmissibility or increasing fatality. To me, that's loss of function. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's an absolute negative, totally e evil. And it would be virtually impossible, I think, to convince me, I'm open to argument, that that's ever ethically justifiable. And I don't think they think it is. I think it's obviously an excuse because they want to do other things, use it as a bioweapon, not against any enemy other than us, the enemy of our own government. What do you think, Nate? Well, I know if, yeah, if we have a scare, let's make it 10 times worse. Yeah. In a, in a lab. No, uh, I'm not going to try to convince you that it's a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea ethically and just, uh, I mean, just practically it's a terrible idea. And when you, I don't know how much credence to give like the project Veritas guys, but I mean, I don't know if you saw that latest, did you uh, check that where they had, so they had one gentleman and I guess he like, I'm going to mess this up. A guy, <laughs> he hooked up with him on a date. So I, are you familiar with project Veritas? Yes. Right? I know it is. James like what they do. Yeah. James O'Keefe. So he does and little gotchas. Do hidden audio. Right. Yeah, a little hidden audio. So he he got in like a grinder app, right? And and, um, and got on like a date with this gentleman and it was like talking with him and they had some drinks and then he just kind of let it slip. This guy works for Pfizer. He's admitting that they are currently making uh, viruses worse and more transmissible to help sell more vaccines. And so like, it's something that we already knew, but it's them spilling the beans, like really admitting to it and talking about it. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think that there is also on top of that, a desire just generally to reduce the health of humanity so that you have more customers for big pharma. I think that's one of the big things that's that the long-term effects of the vax are. I also think that COVID itself is a bioweapon. So I, I think you that those have that may have long-term implications as well. But one thing, uh, speaking of ethics, that I forgot to mention earlier, and this is this is all I've got left, that that the method of culling, have you heard this? So there really ramping up the culling in this avian flu thing. There are a lot of birds have killed. We've all seen the numbers. 
50 million here, 50 million in Europe, maybe UK, the US. I, I read it was 140 million worldwide. I'm not sure when that number was from, but it's, wow. it's that or higher. Um, almost entirely in the US and uh, Europe, which is really sketchy in my mind. Now they're saying New Zealand. So anytime it's like the Five Eyes countries, the mm -hmm. echelon countries, that where it's just like the English speaking island nations that are doing it, I, I feel like it's, uh, they, it's a policy decision. It's a policy decision and not just like, oh my gosh, like it, it should be 10 times that number or three times that number if it's really happening in India and China at the same rate, whatever. Uh, so, but, but in this, in this frenzy to kill birds, the government is allowing the euthanizing in, in, in a method that's totally inhumane, which is only supposed to be used in emergency situations. So normally you're supposed to fill some container or a building with a gas and you push the chickens in there and they die pretty quickly. But if you can't get that done, what they're doing, it's, I, I really have a hard time even believing it. This article I read said that it was 70% of the birds were being killed this way. They just keep them in their buildings and turn off all the ventilation and they bake alive. It takes hours, maybe even a day. Wow. Um, well, we are talking about eugenicist psychopaths that would have no problem doing this to us. And so the, <laughs> that's the a way good they, point. <laughs> that's a good point. So far, the only thing that I'm pretty convinced isn't sentient at all, maybe is a fish. <laughs> like my son's like fish are just food. Like it's just food yeah. keeping itself fresh for you. <laughs> do you agree with that as a chef? Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I mean, I I think I almost cried the first time I killed a lobster. Lobsters, they scream. <laughs> they they yell if you put them in the water and that's like air like screaming out of their shell. Yes. Like, but they just keep moving. So like the ethical way to kill them before you drop them in the water yes. is you just take a knife and you just split their head in two. Just right. go. Like and they that. still cook nice but in the water. they still move. Yeah, they absolutely do. Well, yeah, it doesn't affect it. Do you think but they're thinking? They, no, I think it's just electrical impulses. I think it's yeah. their brain, but it still freaked me out. I was like, I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> terrible. I can't be in the same room as uh, somebody cooking a lobster either. And I, I think, though, like their brains are so small. I would wonder where sentience would live in there. Like yeah. I, I just, I can't it's imagine. It's a little cockroach is what it is. And so yeah. I, I, then after that, I had like a fridge full of more that I had to do. And so yeah. I was like, all right, well, I better get over this. Cause yeah. yeah. And now I've killed thousands of lobsters. I'm sure life. chicken farmers would do that too. But would you put it in a box, a glass box with no air and leave it in the sun? If it was delicious afterward, no, yeah. I still wouldn't, but yeah. and I'm sure if <laughs> you did awful. it, it would be delicious. You're really, you are really gifted. I have to say, Nate, you are really gifted. Um, and I'm not the only person who thinks that, like I've heard that from other people. So your reputation precedes you. Oh, well, thank you. If you ever find your way back here in near Portland, I will definitely oh my make gosh, you what, amazing meal. What was it that I was just crazy for? Was it like a tomatillo salsa? Like you made something that it was, like, yeah, it was a hatch chili salsa. Oh yeah, my gosh. Like, yeah. I was just thought about that. Not even for days, but for like weeks or months afterwards. So you might have to, I'm not going to ask you the recipe. You need to live as the legend. I gave it to Adam already. I got it what? written down. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Oh yeah. My gosh. Okay. Um, okay. Well, put I won't it in the get show notes. It, put it in the show notes. No, that needs to be preserved. We need to have that only for special occasions. I will. I will. Is that a baby? 
Uh, that's my baby. Yeah. I met your baby. Your baby's <laughs> you cute. All right, so I'll <laughs> let you go then. But um, tell people how to find you, and uh, you know, if we want to chat, your Twitter handle, everything like that. Okay, so I think I'm at Realities Artist Pod everywhere. Um, I give out my email address too because I'm insane. Uh, so. I'll get a ton of emails. It's fine. I try to return every DM and message. I love all my listeners. So it's realitiesars at gmail.com. And I even get drinks with my listeners. If you're like within an hour drive from me, I'll go get a beer with you. We can chat and have fun. Um, and we, by the time this comes out, I think I should have launched my Patreon by then. And so we're trying to do fun things. And I want to hear back from people. What do you guys want? You know, what type of reward systems. And so I'm really active on Instagram. We are making documentaries. We last year, we put out a Sasquatch documentary. This year, we're putting out a ghost documentary and we're starting to film very soon. We're going to go to a pioneer graveyard. There might be a Ouija board and mushrooms involved. I'm not touching the Ouija board because it scares me, but I'll watch somebody else do it. The yeah. Christian in me is still afraid of Ouija boards. No, so no, I wouldn't I do don't that. Touch <laughs> I wouldn't do that either. Uh, but I will say how much I enjoyed meeting you and your family. Like, I just, you were such a nice guy. Really, really enjoyed that. Generous. I, I just really enjoyed it. And it was a, a highlight of my white-pilled summer. So if, if you are having drinks with listeners, let me know. I might even get on a plane to go have drinks with you. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, ha have a great evening. Good luck on your uh, Patreon. We tweet once in a while. I think I use Woke Contrarian as your Twitter handle. That's the personal yeah. one. It's totally fine. More They're than one. Um, okay, great. So thanks so much. That was great. This is what I would call a deep buddy dive. So it's a deep dive, but with buddies. And you guys really uh, came through for me because I thought I cannot do the egg thing from a position of being chickenless. And <laughs> I knew you guys would help. And especially you with the chef background to have, uh, uh, you know, are in there in the market for eggs every day. I'm sure the other guys just go to their backyard. Okay. So great. So this has been a deep dive. I am Monica Perez. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media or with someone else you think would enjoy it. And I also try to answer all the messages I get. So the best place to reach me is to tweet at me at Monica Perez show.